Section 2, Living Animals of the World, Volume 2, by Dave Courier, DaveCourierMusic.com, from Brevard, North Carolina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 2, Book 2, Chapter 2, The Game Birds and Rails, by W.P. Pycraft. It is not easy in a few words exactly to define a game bird. Atonomical details aside, the most characteristic features are the small head and moderately long neck, and a compact body in which the wings, when folded, are almost entirely concealed. The hind toe is always present, and the claws are adapted for scratching purposes, that is to say, for scratching up the surface of the ground in the search for seeds as food. The wings are hollowed so as to fit close to the body, and the flight, which is noisy and never long sustained, is nevertheless often exceedingly rapid. The young are hatched covered with down and able to run in a few hours after birth. Grouse and Ptarmigan The birds of this group are distinguished by the feathery covering which clothes the feet. In some grouse, however, the toes are bare. This causes them to resemble the pheasant group, from which they may be distinguished by the fact that the toes are fringed with horny processes forming a sort of comb. Ptarmigan The red grouse is the only game bird which is not found outside the British islands. It is the bird which perhaps heads the list in the estimation of British sportsmen, who travel north in hundreds every year for the pleasure of the sport it affords. It is furthermore remarkable for the wonderful variety of the seasonal plumages. Both sexes change their dress twice during the year, the female in spring and summer, and the male in autumn and winter. Its continental relative, the riper, has no less than three changes, spring, summer, and winter. For the last season, a white dress is adopted to correspond with its snowy surroundings. The winters in the British Islands are neither long enough nor severe enough to render such change necessary with the red grouse, which is sufficiently protected by its ordinary dress. Capercaillie. The largest and perhaps the most interesting of all the European game birds are the capercaillies, or capercalesies. The British species is also known as the cock of the wood. He is a handsome blackbird, nearly as big as a turkey, weighing from 9 to 17 pounds common partridge. In the spring, the capercaly, like the blackcock, indulges in a remarkable love song or play, as it's called. With outstretched neck, tail expanded like a fan, drooping wings, and ruffled feathers, he commences his call, peller, 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 increasing in rapidity every moment till he works himself up into a perfect frenzy. At this time, he is perfectly unconscious of all around him, and poachers, knowing this, sometimes take advantage to creep up and shoot him. On hearing the cock, the hens assemble from all parts of the forest. The male then descends from the tree to the ground when he and his female friends join company and march away. The capercaly is jealous of trespassers on his domain, and instances are on record where people have been attacked when so infringing. Like the capercaly, the black cock must be sought in the woods, whence he sallies forth to the moors and stubble fields to the feed. The gray hen, as the female of the species is called, lays from six to ten eggs of a buff color, 
spotted with rich brown, both in number and color they resemble those of the caper cali. The naturalist Brem gives a delightful account of the lovemaking of this bird. During the spring, he says, the bird utters almost continuously the strangest noises. He holds his tail up and spreads it out like a fan. He lifts up his head and neck with all the feathers erect and stretches his wings from the body. Then he takes a few jumps in different directions, sometimes in a circle, and presses the under part of his beak so hard against the ground that the chin feathers are rubbed off. During these movements, he beats his wings and turns round and round. The more ardent he grows, the more lively he becomes until at last the bird appears like a frantic creature. At such times, the black cocks are so absorbed that they become almost blind and deaf, but less so than the caper cali. North America is very rich in large forms of grouse, and one of the most interesting of these is the prairie hen, remarkable for the possession of a pair of curious bags of a bright orange color on each side of the neck, which can be inflated with air at will. Texan Bob White, about half natural size. Early in the morning, writes Captain Bendier of the Prairie Hen, you may see them assemble in parties from a dozen to fifty together on some dry knolls, and their goings-on would make you laugh. The air sacs are their ornaments, which they display, before the gentler sex by blowing them up until they look like two ripe oranges, protecting their long black ears right forward, ruffling up all the feathers of the body till they stand out straight, and dropping their wings on the ground like a turkey cock. Then it is said that the proud cock, in order to complete his triumph, will rush forward at his best speed, through the midst of the lovesick damsels, pouring out as he goes a booming noise, which may be heard for at least two miles in the still morning air. Every few minutes this display is repeated, but they seem careful not to run against each other, for they have not yet got to the fighting point. After a little while, the ladybirds begin to show an interest in the proceedings, by moving about quickly a few yards at a time, and then standing still a short time. When these actions are continued by a large number of birds at a time, it presents a funny sight, and you can easily think they are moving to the measure of music. Golden Pheasant The prairie hens of America possess great economic value, as great indeed as the red grouse of the British Islands, enormous numbers of prairie hens being exported to Europe every year, whilst still greater numbers are consumed by the American people themselves. It is said that American grouse will sometimes eat the shoots of a plant called calmia, which renders the flesh poisonous. The sage grouse is a rather large bird, attaining a weight of 8 pounds, found in the western United States. It is, indeed, the largest of the American grouse. Its courting habits resemble those of the prairie hens. From the book containing the above lively description, we cull the following. Silver pheasant, English pheasants, Reeves's pheasant, Golden pheasant, Amherst's pheasant, Peacock pheasant. Early one morning in the first week in March 1877, I had the long-wished-for opportunity to observe the actions of a single cock while paying court to several females near him. His large, pale yellow air sacs were fully inflated and not only extended forward but apparently upward as well, rising at least an inch above his head, which consequently was scarcely noticeable, giving the bird an exceedingly peculiar appearance. He looked decidedly top-heavy and ready to topple over on the slightest provocation. He then proceeds to describe the further preparations designed for conquest. The tail is spread fan-wise, 
and animated with a peculiar quivering motion, whilst the wings are trailed upon the ground. When the correct position has been assumed, he advances with stately, hesitating steps towards his mate, uttering as he moves low, grunting, guttural sounds, resembling those of a purring cat, but louder. This, apparently, is the prescribed method of courting of many suitors he has selected who performs best. Timinx tragopan. The ruffed grouse, like the prairie hen, has the neck in the male ornamented with a frill of long feathers. Like many other birds, the female, when danger in the shape of prowling beasts threatens her eggs or young, simulates lameness. So soon as the enemy approaches near enough to be dangerous, up she gets with a great noise of wings and then flutters around the ground as though wounded. The would-be captor is thus led far from the jealousy-guarded treasures, and when a safe distance has been covered, an end is speedily put to this will-o'-the-wisp chase by the bird suddenly taking wing. Partridges, quails, and pheasants. The birds which come under this head are so many in number they may be reckoned by the hundred, and include several forms of exquisite beauty. The legs of many are armed with formidable spurs, with which the males, who are exceedingly pugnacious, fight furiously with their rivals for the possession of some coveted female. Chinese Tragopan One of the more conspicuous forms we may mention, the red-legged and common partridges. In England, the former is known more generally as the French partridge. Why? It is hard to say. It is a native of southeastern Europe, whence it was introduced towards the end of the 18th century. It is a handsome bird, but not in high favor with sportsmen, since it prefers to escape by running rather than by flight. The common partridge is the more abundant of these two species. Though more sober in coloration, it is still a beautiful bird. The horseshoe mark, born on the breast, so characteristic of this bird, is not confined to the males, as is generally believed. Yielding, says Professor Newton, perhaps an economic importance to the red grouse, what may be called the social influence of the partridge, is greater than that excited by any other wild bird. Himalayan monal. This bird displays great courage and affection in defense of its eggs or young. A story illustrating this is told of a gentleman near Spilsby in Lincolnshire, who, whilst superintending his plowman, saw a partridge glide off her nest so near the foot of one of his plow horses that he thought the eggs must be crushed. This, however, was not the case. He saw the old bird return to her nest the instant he left the spot. It was evident that the next round of the plow must bury the eggs and nest in the furrow. His surprise was great when, returning with the plow, he came to the spot and saw the nest indeed, but the eggs and bird were gone. An idea struck him that she removed her eggs, and he found her, before he left the field, sitting under the hedge upon twenty-one eggs. The round of plowing had occupied about twenty minutes, in which time she, probably aided by the cockbird, had removed the twenty-one eggs to a distance of about forty yards. The red-legged partridges, their allies, the francolins, and the gray partridges are all ground birds. The tree partridges, as the name implies, are not, or at least less completely so, hence their mention here. They are natives of the Indo-Chinese countries and the islands of Java, Borneo, and Formosa. The quail is a little-known British bird, very much like a small partridge in appearance. Enormous numbers, Professor Newton tells us, are netted on the continent, 
especially in the spring migration. The captives are exposed in the poulterers' shops, confined in long, cloth-covered cages with a feeding trail in front. The bulk of these are males, which are the first to arrive, and advantage is taken of this circumstance by the bird catchers who decoy hundreds into their nets by imitating the call note of the female. It has been stated that in the small island of Capri, in the Bay of Naples, 160,000 have been netted in a single season, and even larger numbers are on record. An idea of the vast numbers which travel together in migration may be gathered from Canon Tristram's statement that in Algeria in April, he found the ground covered with quails for an extent of many acres at daybreak, where on the preceding afternoon not one was to be seen. These are the birds which were so eagerly seized by the Israelites as a welcome change in the diet which had become so monotonous in the days of their early wanderings. The story, so vividly told in the book of Exodus, is, of course, familiar to all. Red Cochins The quail lays from nine to fifteen eggs in a feeble apology for a nest. It is said that the curious metallic note click-click-click gave origin to the Spanish castanet, for these birds are much esteemed in Spain, being kept in cages for the pleasure their notes afford. There are five or six other species of quail closely related to the above. The British bird enjoys an enormous range, being found almost everywhere in Europe, Asia, and Africa. The so-called American quails, some 40 species in number, are generally regarded as belonging to a distinct group. That ornament to all rural scenery, the pheasant, is said to have been introduced from the banks of the river Phasis in Coltis, Transcaucasia, by the Romans, at least the original form of pheasant was. Late during the 18th century, a Japanese and a Chinese form were introduced, and these have freely interbred with the original form, so that purebred specimens of any of the three are rare. The speed of a pheasant on the wing in full flight has been estimated at 38 miles an hour. Occasionally, pheasants will take to the water and are said to swim well. The number of pheasants reared by hand at the present day is prodigious. In 1883, Professor Newton tells us, 134,000 pheasants' eggs were sold from one estate in Norfolk, while 9,700 fully grown birds were killed upon it. In olden times, pheasants were taken in snares or nets by hawking and by the crossbow, but on the introduction of guns, these methods were superseded. Yet another form of pheasant has been introduced into Britain of late years. This is Reeves pheasant a truly magnificent bird with a tail fully five feet long in adult males. These birds also interbreed with the more common forms, but not freely. Brown Leghorn Cock Beautiful as these pheasants undoubtedly are, they are eclipsed by many of their relatives. Among the most noteworthy of these, we may notice the magnificent tragopans. Rich in coloration of the feathers, these birds have added an additional feature in brilliantly colored areas of bare skin on the head and neck, which are furthermore rendered conspicuous by being developed with horns and wattles. These horns can be erected at will, a process which causes them at the same time to be greatly increased in size. The bird, with a proud consciousness of his beauty, displays his charms to the full when wooing. Mr. Bartlett tells us that, after walking about rather excitedly, he places himself in the front of the female, with the body slightly crouching upon the legs and the tail bent downwards. The head is then violently jerked downwards, and the horns and wattle become conspicuous. The wings have a flapping motion, 
and the bright red patch on them is fully displayed. The whole of the neck appears to be larger than usual during this action, so do the horns which, moreover, vibrate with every motion. This scene is concluded by the bird suddenly drawing himself up to his full height, which, with his wings expanded and quivering, the horns erect and the wattles fully displayed. Silver-spangled Hamburgs, Dark Brahmas, Silver Wyandot Hen with Pheasant Chicks. Equally splendid, some think more so, are the four species of pheasant known as monals, or impian pheasants. The plumage in this case looks like burnished metal rather than feathers. The head is adorned with a crest either of long or beautifully curled feathers. Monals are found in the same haunts as the tragopans, the highest forest regions of the Himalaya. But the most gorgeous of all the pheasant tribe are perhaps the golden pheasants. The crimson body and exquisitely beautiful collar of gold barred with black constitute a perfectly royal livery. Since, however, these are amongst the commonest occupants of the aviary, we need not describe them further here. They are natives of China and Tibet, jungle fowl and their domesticated descendants. These birds, of which there are four distinct species, are close allies of the domesticated fowls, the descent of these latter, indeed is traced from the red jungle fowl of the Himalaya and central India. The characteristic features of the group are the naked head, bearing the familiar wattles and fleshy comb, and the formidable spurs on the legs. The varieties of the domesticated jungle fowl are numerous. The pugnacity of the members known as the game breed is well known, and in the days of cockfighting, large sums of money changed hands over the fierce battles waged by rival game cocks pitted one against the other. The gamecock, it should be remarked, being the little modified descendant of the red jungle cock. Peacock. The modern gamecock is purely a show bird. Breeders have changed the type by selecting characters which would render the bird quite unable to hold its own if matched in battle with one of the original breed. Very different from the wild ancestor is the huge, much-feathered cochin. This was introduced into England, not from Cochin, China, as is popularly supposed, but from Shanghai some 50 years ago. At that time, this bird enjoyed the reputation of being wonderfully prolific. This is, alas, no longer a feature of the breed. The Chopin is apparently responsible for this, attention having been paid rather to external appearance than to useful qualities. Back view of Peacock the Plymouth Rock and Dorking are both well-known breeds. The former is of American origin, made by crossing Cochins with a native breed, the Dominique. The Black Spanish, Menorcas, Leghorns, Andalusians, etc., constitute what are known as the Mediterranean breeds. They are noted for their great prolificacy. This has been gained by carefully breeding from the most productive birds, but with the result that the instinct to sit has been lost entirely. This is a matter of no consequence, however, as when chicks are required, there are plenty of broody hens of other breeds which can be made to undertake the duties of foster mother. The Hamburgs are of two kinds, the Spangled, which is of English, and the Penciled, of continental origin. Black-chested crested guinea fowl. A very old breed is the Polish. It figures often in the pictures of the old Dutch masters. One of its chief characteristics is the huge crest of feathers rising from the crown of the head. The development of this crest has had a very extraordinary effect upon the conformation of the bones and skull, 
entirely altering the shape of the brain case. Perhaps the most artificial of all breeds of fowl are the seabright bantams. These are diminutive birds, the result of a cross between the Polish with laced feathers and a bantam. The feathers of this cross are beautifully laced, that is, they are white edged with black. Another interesting diminutive breed is the Japanese bantam. The cock carries a tail which is long, remarkably high, giving a very quaint effect. This breed is further interesting since it furnishes us with an instance of the breeder's power of localizing color by selection. The tail is black and the body white. Yet another interesting Japanese fowl is the remarkable long-tailed breed in which the tail coverts grow continuously, attaining a length of from 9 feet to, it is said, 18 feet. The birds are kept for show purposes. The greater part of their lives is passed tethered on high perches. Once a day they are taken down for exercise, when the long feathers are carefully rolled up and securely fastened out of harm's way. Black-chested crested guinea fowl, the Argus pheasant and peacock and their allies. The Argus pheasant most certainly demands notice on account of the extraordinary develop of the wing quills, which are nearly a yard long, and the wondrous beauty of the pattern thereon. This pattern takes the form of a number of eyes so shaded as to give the appearance, when fully displayed, of a number of balls lying in a socket. These enormous quills are borne only by the male and used like the ornamental feathers of its allies in captivating the female. When fully displayed, the two wings are spread out to form one huge fan, producing an effect which words cannot adequately describe. The Argus pheasants are found in the forests of Siam, the Malay Peninsula, and Sumatra, and are excessively wary birds. The peacock is too well known to need a very long description. But a word as to the so-called tail. This magnificent wealth of plumes does not represent the tail, as is popularly supposed, but is made up of the feathers of the lower part of the back and the upper tail coverts. These gradually increase in length from before backwards, culminating in the long and exquisite feathers which form the circumference of the huge outspread shield. This shield is properly called the train, the true tail lies behind it and acts as a support. When the bird is about to display, the train feathers are slowly and gently raised till the well-known fan-shaped glory of green and gold and blue is exposed to the fullest possible extent. Nest of Brush Turkey at Woburn Abbey Turkey Cock and Hen Watch the bird trying to do his best to persuade his chosen what a handsome fellow he is. He first places himself more or less in front of her, but at some little distance off, and then, watching his opportunity, walks rapidly backwards, going faster and faster and faster, till arrived within a foot. He suddenly, like a flash, turns round and displays to the full his truly gorgeous vestments. This turning movement is accompanied by a violent shaking of the train, the quills of which rattle like the pattering of rain upon leaves, Often this movement is followed by a loud scream. When the train is fully erect, it will be noticed that it lies so far forward that the bird's head and neck appear as if rising from its base. In a side view, the whole body, from the front of the wings backwards, appears to lie behind the train. This bird is a native of India, where it is held in great reverence by the Hindus, 
and that in a Hindu state it is not allowed to be killed under any circumstances. There are two, some say three, distinct species of peacock, but they all closely resemble one another. Wallace's Painted Megapode Brief mention will serve for the guinea fowls and turkeys, since they are well known to us all. Guinea fowls are African birds, a farmyard form popularly known as comebacks, from their peculiar cry, come back, come back, come back, is a descendant of the common helmeted form, of which type there are eight distinct species. Besides these are four crested species, one very beautiful species known as the vulture-like guinea fowl, and one, the rarest of all, known as the black guinea fowl. Even in the British Museum, writes Mr. Ogilvy Grant, there are only two examples of it, and neither of these are perfect specimens. It was discovered by M. Du Chailu. One day, he says, I went out hunting by myself, and to my great joy shot another new bird, a black wild fowl, one of the most singular birds I have seen in Africa. The head, where it is bare, is in the female of a pink hue, and then the male of a bright scarlet. Wild they are, and most difficult to approach, and rare even in the forests where they are at home. They do not travel in huge flocks like other guinea fowls, but a male and two females at most. The familiar form of the turkey scarcely needs description, but most people are probably puzzled by its name. Why turkey? The bird is a native of America, so it certainly cannot have anything to do with its place of origin. Professor Newton has it that it is on account of its call note to be syllabled Turk, 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 whereby it may almost be said to have named itself. The domesticated turkey is descended from the Mexican turkey and was probably introduced into Europe during the 16th century. This, according to Captain Bendire, is a mountain-living species and still abundant in the wilder portions of western Texas and New Mexico. It appears to attain greater bulk than its domesticated descendant, Captain Bendir having recorded a specimen shot by himself which weighed 28 pounds after having been drawn, and heavier birds are said to occur occasionally. The Mexicans say that the coyotes catch turkeys by running in circles under the tree in which they are roosting, till the birds get dizzy with watching them, and fall down into the open mouths below. There are three distinct kinds of turkey, the Mexican, American, and Honduras turkey. The last is a very fine bird, with a bright blue head and neck, instead of red. The top of the head is adorned with numerous scarlet, berry-like warts, looking like holly berries. The bobwhites, which belong to the group of tooth-billed game birds known as American partridges and quails, demand a brief reference here. The species represented in the illustration on page 399 is common in the lowlands of Texas and is a very unsuspicious bird, and in consequence falls an easy prey to foxes, harriers, and rattlesnakes, the last being the worst enemies, as many as five of these unfortunate birds having been taken in one time from the stomach of one of these monsters, and on occasion a female and half a dozen of her eggs were similarly discovered. The megapodes and brush turkeys, though dull and uninteresting-looking birds, are on account of the facts connected with the propagation of their species quite remarkable. They do not brood over their eggs, as do other birds, but instead bury them, either in sand in the neighborhood of warm springs or in heaps of decaying vegetable matter. In the latter case, the material is often collected by several birds working together. Mounds of 8 feet high and 60 feet in circumference have been found, 
the work of the Nicobar Megapode. Such have been many years in use, material being added each season. Into this mass the female digs down and deposits an egg every second day, covering it up as soon as laid. There it remains until hatched, when the young, probably aided by its mother, forces its way up to the surface and emerges, not a downy nestling, as one would expect, but clothed with feathers differing but slightly in texture from those worn in the adult state. Owing to the precocious development, young megapodes are able to fly within an hour after birth. Razor-billed Curacao There are many different kinds of megapodes occurring in Australia, Samoa, and the Nicobar and Philippine Islands. Crested Curacao The Curacaos and Guans are very handsome birds, but probably quite unknown to most of our readers, yet they may always be seen in zoological gardens. They are closely related to the megapodes, which we have just been discussing, but their nesting habits are quite different. They lay their eggs in nests, either on the ground or in trees, and brood over them like other birds. Many have brilliantly colored bare skin on the head and handsome crests. They are natives of Central and South America, where they are often kept by the settlers as they tame easily. It is said that one of the guans, which, when crossed with a domesticated fowl, becomes intensely pugnacious and superior to the gamecock for fighting purposes. Bustard Quail and Plain Wanderers These are small and quail-like in appearance, though they are probably only distant relatives of the game birds. But they are, nevertheless, remarkable birds. A great authority, Mr. A. O. Hume, writing of the Indian Bustard Quail, says of them, The most remarkable point in the life history of these Bustard Quails is the extraordinary fashion in which, amongst them, the position of the sexes is reversed. The females are the larger and handsomer birds. The females only call, the females only fight. Natives say that they fight for the males, and probably this is true. The males only sit upon the eggs, the females meanwhile larking about, calling and fighting without any care for their obedient mates, and lastly the males tend the young brood. The group has a wide geographical range occurring in Europe, Africa, Madagascar, South Asia, the Indian Archipelago, and Australia. The Hoitsen. This bird is one of the puzzles of the ornithologist. Its pedigree is still a mystery, but is generally believed to have some relation to the game birds. Its whole life is passed in trees overhanging water, and its flight restricted to short journeys from tree to tree. In South America, its home. It is known by a variety of names, one of which means stinking pheasant. This is an allusion to the peculiar odor of its flesh, which smells, according to some, like musk, and to others like raw hides. Another remarkable feature of this bird is the fact that it's turned its crop into a sort of gizzard, whilst the true gizzard, having been relieved of its functions, has diminished to the size of a hazelnut. The unusual purpose to which the crop has been put has brought about considerable modification in the form of the breastbone, which is quite different to that of any other bird. Hoitsen. The young of these birds are quite as remarkable as the parents, for almost as soon as they are hatched, they crawl out of the nest along the boughs of the tree in which it rests to meet the parents coming with food. In these crawling excursions, they are aided by the wings, which for a time serve as forefeet. The thumb and first finger are armed with strong claws, with which a firm hold is gained on the bark of the tree, 
to render these claws effective so long as they are necessary. The quill feathers of the tip of the wing have their development checked till the others have grown long enough to serve the purposes of flight. The rails. The rails are all water-loving birds, developing in swamps or on the borders of lakes and streams. Although all swim easily, none have webbed feet. The flight is weak. Several species indeed have lost this power altogether. The body is much compressed, enabling them to pass readily through the arrow interspaces of dense aquatic foliage. The rails appear to be related on the one hand to the game birds and on the other to the cranes. In size they vary from a bird as large as a fowl to one as small as a lark. One of the commonest of the rails is the corn crake, more commonly perhaps known as the land rail. Its curious grating cry is one of the commonest sounds which the summer brings with it and one possessing a charm of its own. But rarely seen, it builds its nest in hay fields, and when the grass is being cut, sits so closely on its treasures that it is sometimes beheaded by the swinging scythe. In the autumn it falls not infrequently to the sportsman when partridge shooting. The corn crake leaves in the winter for the more congenial climate of Africa, a feat that seems wonderful when its feeble powers of flight are considered. Its near relative, the water rail, is a rather handsome bird, but of shy and retiring habits. The weka rail, a native of New Zealand, is one of the flightless forms to which we have referred. It is about as large as a pheasant, but lacks its splendor, being soberly clad in brown and black. Unlike its relative, it breeds in a burrow, which it digs for itself by the aid of its bill. The name weka was given it by the Maoris. Weka rail, water rail. The common water hen, or moor hen, is one of the most familiar birds of the London parks. Although frequent enough to be seen upon streams and broads, it is nevertheless shy and wary, but in the sanctuary of the public parks all reserve is thrown off. The water hen, like its allies, is an expert swimmer, in spite of the fact that the toes are not webbed. On the contrary, they are very long and slender. When alarmed, these birds will often submerge the body till only the beak projects above water. All the members of this group are easily recognized by the bare patch of skin extending from the beak onto the top of the head. In the coots, this is white. Gallinals, it is red. The coots and water hens are clad in sober colors, gray or black, but the gallinals are gorgeously clad in purple, shaded with dark green, olive brown, and black. Mantell's gallinol of New Zealand is probably now extinct, the last bird having been killed in 1898. The fin feet. These are little-known birds found in Africa, South America, Southeast Asia, and Sumatra. They are closely related to the coots, but differ therefrom in many important particulars. Like the coots, they are river-haunting birds and have broad flaps of skin fringing the toes, which serve the purpose of a web, but they have much longer necks and tails than the coots and water hens. Not much is known about them. End of chapter two, recorded by Dave Courier, www.davecouriermusic.com, on July 14, 2020.